Hey y'all, welcome to M-A-D-E. Mad Empowerment. Mother and Daughter Empowerment. empowerment. With Georgette Council and Zakia Clemens. We are a mother-daughter duo using our stories, experiences, and perspectives as women to encourage and empower women to lead happier, more complete lifestyles. Come on in and join the conversation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to May. Today, we are going to be having a conversation about how to communicate effectively with your daughter, with your mom. All right, well, let's talk. Let's get into it. All right, uh, let's see. So one of the first things I think that you have to take into consideration when you're thinking about communication um, with mothers and daughters is the generations. Yes. There's a generational difference there. And so uh, when effectively communicating, you've got to take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to think about the fact that uh, the millennials and Gen X and Gen Y and Gen Z, they have a different thought process about effective communication that's, that differs from my generation. Sure. And so you've got to know how your children prefer to communicate. And that could be by email or by text um, versus by voicemail, which is what, you know, my generation prefers. We prefer like voice communication. I like to hear your voice. Uh, I can tell a lot from your voice that mm -hmm. I can't detect in a text or in an email. Mm -hmm. But in order to be effective and to keep down on the miscommunication, I think it's important to know what the preferences are and to set some expectations where that's concerned so that you're not sitting around waiting on a phone call from your child that's never going to come because your, your child isn't someone who's going to call. They didn't grow up with telephones in the home um, for the most part and um, telephones have always been, almost always been smartphones for this generation and so they use the telephone for many things. Uh, it's a watch, you know, it's a means of uh, getting news and gaining information. It's a research tool, so it is not simply a telephone. And so I think it's important to um, to talk about that with your daughter. Uh, you know, what are your preferences? Because I know, like, for you, I would text you um, or I would call you, and, like when you were in college, and you wouldn't answer the phone. But if I texted you, I would get an immediate response. <laughs> and sometimes that would make me mad. Like, why won't she pick up the phone? Like, I know she's, you know, home or whatever the case may be, uh, but you all seem to prefer to text. So I learned, and through our discussions or whatever, that you prefer to text. Like, if you need me, send me a text. Shoot me a text right quick and let me know what's going on. So then I can send you a text and say, call me. Yeah, yeah. I think that we kind of have learned, like you said, how to do that and how we work. Because, yeah, definitely back then I'll be like, oh, my God. And I mean, I still do that to this day with some of my friends. So sorry, y'all. But, like, they'll be calling, and I'm just like, I don't feel like having a conversation right now. Like, just text me what you want to say. Like, I don't feel like speaking. Like, I just want to just have a text, get it over with. Um, but I think that we've kind of learned and grown through that some, too, because I know that we mostly communicate over the phone. Like, we have phone conversations. Um, but I kind of know, like, that I can text you. It depends on what it is. But there are certain right. things that I'll just text you, and I know that, you know, you're fine with that or whatever. Um, versus, like, my dad, for example. Like, I won't text him. Like, I, if I text him, I may not hear back for a week, you know? Like, I won't text him because he just, 
he doesn't get like he's this. a different generation right and so for me i'm like if i send a text that's a quick way to communicate so even if you're busy you can respond you know or even if you don't feel like talking or you got your hands full or whatever you can you can send a quick text so um yeah i agree that's something that we have to communicate about yeah and i think you know going along with the generations comes with the language um and and ways that they communicate so for instance you know nowadays uh, a lot of the communication is done through um, emoticons and emojis and text speak. You know, it's like a shorthand. Type emoticons was like a real your generation way. Oh, was it? Okay, see. So I see. I'm still kind of off base with that. But um, yeah, the emojis and um, and text lingo and things like that. And you have to kind of know what you're doing when you step into that arena. Yeah. Um, because it too can be dangerous. Um, it's hard to, like I said, detect tone um, and demeanor in a text message or um, an email message. And so you have to be really, really careful. Um, I know you've accused me of being um, dry. Oh, you're a dry texter. You're such a dry texter. So much so that <laughs> I've had friends who like, were texting you. And then like I can remember one friend in particular, and she was texting you about something. And... At some point, you know, she said her piece, whatever, and then you responded and you were just like, okay. And she was like, I don't know what your mom meant when she said, okay, because there were no emojis, okay. like there was no punctuation, like it wasn't okay, exclamation point, it was just okay. But that's because I think that our generation realizes how much can be lost through text, you know, and through nonverbal communication. So we make it concerted effort to use emojis and punctuation to make sure that the tone is clear so if i say okay with a smiley face you know that it's like okay versus if i just say okay you're like okay dang what's wrong with her what did i say you know because mm -hmm. maybe i might take that as like okay with an eye roll emoji or maybe i take that as okay with an angry face emoji or something like that so we i think that is another good point that you know understanding how we communicate because if you text me okay i know that you just don't really use that <laughs> stuff so i'm gonna be like all right i'm gonna do better she meant okay with a smiley face but she didn't put it in there I'm so. gonna do better. but yeah but but again i think it's a generational thing you know because when i sit down to write uh an email or a text i'm trying to do prose you know yeah. i'm trying to dear so-and-so comma you know, or to whom it may concern, colon. You know, I, I the the salutation, the heading, the the body of the letter, and the closing. You know, and that's not what email and texting was um, designed to be. But I still uh, have a hard time with some of the um, text lingo and shortcuts that are used. You know, like <laughs> using the number two instead of T W O. Well, we don't really or, do that anymore. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. It shows what I know. Um, but yeah, so texting, um, just knowing how that works, you know what I mean? And it may mean a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, between um, you and your mother or you and your daughter to kind of know um, what works best and what all of the uh, vernacular is that goes along with it, you know, if, if I'm using this and... For those of you in my generation, I caution you about the emojis because <laughs> if you don't know what they mean, you can get yourself in a world of hurt. Um, I remember one time in particular that I sent you some message 
we were corresponding back and forth and I sent you a message and I put an emoji on there that I thought was appropriate, but <laughs> apparently it wasn't because then you responded with like, well, why'd you put that emoji on there or whatever? And I'm like, well, I thought he was like laughing or something. And you were like, no, he was crying. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay, let me, I thought he was crying with laughter. He was laughing so hard he was crying or something. And it's like, yeah, no, I used the wrong emoji. And you know, then you all who text frequently um, have given all kinds of connotations and meanings to emojis. Like you could literally have a whole conversation with just emojis. Yeah. Um, well, I I remember anagrams. You know, when people would try to figure out what they mean with pictures and letters and stuff like that. Y'all can do that now with with emojis. And um, but I can't do that yet. So. <laughs> You have to be careful because, you know, if you're sending a, an eggplant or you're sending a peach or you're sending <laughs> certain things, they have different connotations yeah. um, when they're sent. So I would just caution people just to be careful. Learn the specific meaning of the emoji. If you don't know, ask any 12-year-old. They can tell you um, what they mean. And Well, um, I think, not to cut you off, but I think that's a good point, too, because now there are generations who literally grew up with this technology. Like, my generation... We, we didn't always have this level of technology. Like We right. grew up with technology in the sense that it evolved as we grew. Mm -hmm. So we were able to kind of define the bounds and rules for how it works. But there's also another generation that's younger than me that they've grown up with this already in existence and have created ways to make it their own too. So I think probably for parents who have children in different age groups, even then you have to be probably even more um pointed at like figuring out how each child <laughs> how yeah. it works because i know there are things that kids nowadays <laughs> do oh, that like i'm like i don't even under, i don't know like we we don't do that you know versus i know there's a difference between when i was younger versus now like you were saying like with the number two or something like that like my generation now as in as far as my friends and my acquaintances we don't do stuff like replace two with number two anymore. Like, because texting has gotten so much easier, you can easily type out two versus before we had like the QWERTY or whatever, so you could tap stuff 10 times to get a letter. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think that's probably even another nuance and another level of like having to have a conversation with your children individually about what it means to communicate. Yeah, so I think the generational thing is really, really big when you're talking about communication. And I guess we should have said this at the onset, um, because you're going to hear a lot about communication as we go through this series. Because, you know, as with any relationship, not just mother and daughter, but with any relationship, communication is key. Yeah. And effectively communication, communicating is key. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of what you hear now, you will probably hear again or you have heard before um, because we believe that it is uh, the basis and the foundation of all good relationships. Um, another thing that I think you have to keep in, to keep in mind when you're trying to communicate effectively with your uh, daughter, um, me coming from a mother perspective, is the timing mm -hmm. um, of communication. Um, you have to know your children. You have to know your daughter. So you have to know if she's a morning person or not. You know, if you've got news to give, is it best to give it to her in the morning? Is it best to give it to her in the evening? Um, do you have to kind of lay the foundation first or is she the kind of person that can take it head on? Mm -hmm. um, timing is really important when you're giving um, when you're giving news to people and setting the tone for receiving whatever that information is, you know, if it's good or bad or, or indifferent. Um, so I think timing is another key part of effectively communicating 
yeah. um, with your daughter? I think that goes both ways for sure. Um, I think the same thing, like, you know, I learned very early on, like, to gauge your mood and what was <laughs> happening in your day before I brought some, certain things, you know, because I can remember times where I'm thinking I'm going to tell you something and then, you know, you pick me up from school and I can tell that you've had a hard day and I'm like, oh, no, nah. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this today. Um, but I think that it also can go the other way and, like, also understanding when um, when the other person is ready to speak about something too, right? Because I think that sometimes um, kids, and again, I'm pulling this from experiences that I had with friends growing up, but like the child may be wanting to talk to you about something, but they just haven't quite gotten that confidence yet or whatever to, to bring it up. Um, but then the parent is like, no, we're going to talk about this now. And it's like, I don't. I don't want to do it yet like just yeah. give me a second or you know something happens and in the moment you know some people are able to immediately have a conversation about what's going on other times people need to like take a break reflect figure out how to pull themselves together and then bring the conversation up so I think that it goes that way too it's just like respecting and, and having a conversation about when it's appropriate and when it's not but respecting those boundaries of like we're going to have this conversation but if you're not ready to have it yet you need to get your emotions together or get your thoughts together or whatever that we can wait to have it so that we're both in a good place yeah I think that um I think that there there you know of course all of this comes with lots of mitigating factors sure. and, and different things that might impact um the way that you do it because I think that as a parent you know again sometimes we see the 50,000 foot view and we know what's coming down the pike or we've been through this with maybe a sibling, an older sibling or whatever. And we feel or know the, the need to have an immediate conversation about something, whether you're ready or not. Um, we need to express how we're feeling in that moment. Um, but then I also understand that there are times when as a parent, again, because of the emotion of a situation, it may be best that you not discuss it in that moment mm -hmm. because the emotion is going to take over and the logic and reasoning may not be there or you may not be able to express it or get it through um, because of the emotion that's involved. So, you know, I think timing in so many ways is really, really important um, when it comes to having effective communication. And again, not just with your daughter, but with people in general. Right. Yeah, I think another thing that ties into that timing point is um, like the tone of the conversation, right? So how dramatic... <laughs> the topic is introduced or whatever like that could be really important too I think that a lot of parents have a hard time like keeping it casual and I feel like they oftentimes think that everything is a big deal and it might be a big deal but if you approach everything like it's a big deal I think that that can also be one of the times where you know, a child can kind of shut down and be like, oh my God, you're being dramatic. Like, and I haven't even told you the full thing. Like, I just told you this one little thing and you are blowing it up. So I'm definitely not going to tell you the, the real story behind this because yeah. like, yeah. we can't even just have a conversation about it. And yeah. while a parent should be a parent, I think that there's also that level of like comfort that a child wants to feel when talking to their parent where it feels like, a bit more friendly and not like I'm talking to someone who's going to judge me and tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong, but who is going to just have the conversation with me casually. Right. Um, so I think that's another point too. No, I agree. Um, you know, and again, I think in defense of parents, you know, sometimes it's that we know, um, 
even though it can't be seen at the moment, we know how A can lead to B and B can lead to C and C sure, can lead to D. Yeah. And the child is not seeing all the way down to D yet. Mm -hmm. But we're already seeing that if we don't nip this in the bud now, we don't let them know how serious it is in this moment, that the potential is there for them to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so, you know, I think sometimes that's what it is. It's a protective mechanism that we have as parents to try to make sure that we don't um, prevent our kids from having any kind of an adverse experience of, of any kind. But, you know, but I agree, you know, everything is not, you know, some things you have to put in perspective. You can't, you have to choose your battles, as they say. Mm -hmm. Same thing with marriage. It's the same thing with um, siblings, just every relationship that you have, you have to choose your battles. Yeah. You know, everything can be a big deal, um, but everything isn't a big deal or doesn't have to well, be a big even deal. Even the things so. that are big deals don't have to be presented so <laughs> dramatically. And I think that's kind of, it reminds me, of, I can't think of the phrase, but like you get more bees with honey or something, sugar get more flies with honey. <laughs> Anyways, you if you if you take a nice approach, you have right. better results than you do if you come in hard. So yeah. even if it's something that is very important, um and that needs to be handled in the moment and whatever, there's a way to approach it that allows you know, your child to feel more comfortable being honest because a lot of times even if it's really really important and you think that the child doesn't see that if you come in hard, some kids just rebel and be like, "Okay, well." Right. Nope. <laughs> you know, or it'll completely break down. Like maybe they were just opening up to you about it and they could see down the road and kind of see like, I see where this might be an issue, but I just want to talk to you about it or whatever. But coming in too harsh and too formal and too dramatic might immediately shut that down. So. Well, and I think you bring up a good point or another point, which is knowing your children. Yeah. You know, you've got to know the people that you're dealing with or mm -hmm. whatever. You know, everybody receives news differently. Some people are more tenderhearted or... Yeah. Um, more sensitive about things and so you, you've got to really know you know the way you communicate with one child may be different than you, the way that you communicate with another child mm -hmm. I don't think there's a one size um, fits all with that but one of the things that you do have to bear in mind that is kind of a one size fits all is the boundaries that you set mm -hmm. you know and so even though you're an adult now you know I communicated with you differently when you were a child than I do now mm -hmm. we have different boundaries and those boundaries have to be adjusted you know, as the relationship changes and grows mm -hmm. and, you know, but it, it doesn't change the fact that no matter whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, there's appropriate language to be used. Sure. You know, even as an adult, I know that you're very mindful about cursing in front of me mm -hmm. or using, you know, that kind of language and, and things like that. Now, I'm not silly enough to believe that you don't curse mm -hmm. or that you've never said a curse word or maybe even in your regular life that that's not the way that you speak. Mm -hmm. But I know that you've always been respectful enough because you've seen me be respectful like that with my mother and with other adults and things so that you know that we don't believe that it's appropriate um, to speak that way. That's not our normal. Now, I know that there are houses where that is the norm and they cuss and fuss at each other all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the way that I was raised and the way I passed it on to you is that it's a, it's a form of respect. Mm -hmm. And so having appropriate language, um, knowing what that is and using that appropriately is always uh, going to help you have more effective communication. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then along with that goes the confidentiality, the confidential piece of things when mm -hmm. you're communicating with your daughter. You know, mothers and daughters tend to have a unique bond. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that daughters share with their mothers that they don't share with their fathers. You know, and, I, and there are some father-daughter duos that are really, really close. Um, when I think about... Um, your stepdad, you know, and, 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 and 
Jasmine. You know, when I think about Daryl and Jasmine, I think about how close they are, you know, and not that she's not close to her mom, but she and her dad have a very, very close relationship where I think, you know, she shares things or would share things with him that maybe some girls like you might not share with your dad. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's all about the relationship that you have um, with those people. But in order for your daughter to feel comfortable um, in coming to you and sharing things with you, she has to respect you and she has to know that you're going to keep her confidence. Yeah. And so when she comes to you, you've got to assure her, you know, if she gives the disclaimer, you know, like, mom. I'm, I'm going to share this with you, but please don't tell anybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, you as the mother have to maintain that confidence. And if for some reason you betray it with someone else, you've got to make sure that person knows that you can never let on <laughs> that you know this. Right. That ever you're in the child's presence, you cannot let on that you already know this information. And so I know there have been times when that's happened with us where you shared something with me in confidence or whatever and then whenever you were ready you shared it with someone else and then it came up but I had to act like it was the first time that I'd heard it mm -hmm. you know I couldn't act like well yeah I mean I knew that six months ago <laughs> you know I had to act like oh okay this is a you know this is news to me as well and so yeah. you know I think again going back to our last episode and, or a previous episode and talking about instilling confidence in a young lady um, it's important that she know that she can trust you mm -hmm. and that confidence piece, you know, being able to hold the confidentiality is a big part of gaining trust mm -hmm. and building trust. Yeah. And we've kind of had this conversation before and I remember you mentioning like, you know, but there are certain things that among parents have to be shared or, you know, for safety reasons or, you know, whatever that you have to, that you have to share, but you can still be mindful of you know, the way that it may affect your child who shared it with you confidently or whatever. And so, anyways, I can think of a funny story about that um, from when I was in middle school. Mm -hmm. And I uh, started my cycle. And, um, of course, you knew. I lived with you and you're a woman and so I shared it with you or whatever. And, but I was a preteen and, you know, I felt like it was a secret and whatever. So, I told you, and I don't know if I specifically told you not to tell anybody or if I just thought that this was like a, a girl's secret or what, but um, it happened. And so, I don't know, at some point after I had started, um, very soon after I had started, I went to my dad's house for the weekend. And so I went to his house and we hung out that weekend or whatever. Well, one night my nose had been bleeding. I think I got too hot or something like that. So the next morning I was like, yeah, dad, last night my nose was bleeding. And he was like, oh, well, that's coming out the wrong end, isn't it? And I was, like, mortified. Like, oh, my God, how does he know this? Um, but I think that goes to, you know, what we talked about before, which is that, you know, there are some things that, first of all, again, in my mind as a preteen, it right. was a lot different. Even now as an adult, it's like, okay, yeah, my dad knows I have a period, <laughs> you right. know. Right. But, um but that was something that you shared because... It was important for him to know. Right. So, yeah. As a parent, you have to walk that line. And I think you have to, again, be honest and build a trust with your daughter with things that you can and can't keep confidential. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you have to let them know if it's something, you know, like that, like you started your period. Well, your dad is going to need to know that because... You know, if he, he needs to have supplies at the house for mm -hmm. you or, you know, whatever the case may be. So it's important for me to share that with him, mm -hmm. you know, and but if you've built built the, the proper amount of trust, then I think that it doesn't become as big of a deal. Now, some of it is just growth in general. 
you know, teenagers have a different mindset, preteens mm-hmm. have a different mindset. It doesn't have to be logical. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're not going to understand. You can't reason with them and help them understand. Um, so sometimes it's not even worth, you know, the, the fight that's going to ensue by trying to explain it. But just, you know, knowing that there are some things. And I think when they have the trust and they know that everything that you do is going to be in their best interest um, and they trust you, then they know that you didn't do it out of any kind of spite or malice, you know, of any sort to try to, yeah, embarrass them or call them out or anything. So, you know, having that confidentiality is a, is a big, big part of setting the boundaries and being able to communicate effectively with, uh, with your daughter. Well, and that's a good point too, you know, talking about like the embarrassment and what the motive is behind it, because I think that empathy is another, um, important factor when you're communicating, you know, like understanding, where your child is coming from. And I think part of that is also like just remembering how you were when you were their age, you know? Or maybe maybe you weren't that way, but how your friends were, how your sister or your brother were, you know, whatever. But just right. putting yourself back in their shoes and understanding that, yeah, as a preteen, I might have felt this way, right. you know? So let me not treat it like, girl, it ain't a big deal. Be quiet, you know? But right. like, okay, let's communicate about it because I know to you it's a huge deal or whatever, but just having that empathy and communication to understand where they're coming from and um, when it's appropriate. I mean, it kind of goes back into all these other points that we talked about, but I think right. having an empathetic sort of mind towards it would help all of that. Absolutely. And, and like we said before, too, with the mindset, you know, having that growth mindset and knowing that you're going to have diverse perspectives on things, you know, yeah. it's going to be different for a 12 year old than it is for a 40 year old, you mm-hmm. know. And so just understanding that, like you said, where that person is coming from and not holding judgment, mm-hmm. you know, having a safe zone, a safe space where your daughter can come to you and can share anything. You know, that's how I raised you girls was like, There's nothing that's off limits. There's Mm -hmm. no discussion we can't have. Mm -hmm. And then I have to adjust myself as a parent to receive whatever comes my way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but I would much rather that you have the discussion. And especially in this day and age, you know, not so much with you guys. Um, Like you said, you grew up with technology, but not the way technology is today. Mm -hmm. You know, elementary kids have smartphones. Right. And they can go on, you know, like Taylor, little granddaughter, three years old, she can go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know, she knows how to get on YouTube and stuff. And so... They have access um, to things that you all didn't have. And so they have other uh, things and and resources outside of the parents or the village Mm -hmm. to go to to get answers. And the problem is that those answers aren't always the right ones. Right. Or they're not always positive ones or ones that you would want them to have. And so, you know, establishing a no judgment zone where your daughter feels comfortable coming to you and speaking to you about whatever it is Mm -hmm. and her knowing that. There is nothing off limits. There's nothing that I can throw my mama with. Now, you may come to me with something or whatever, and we have a very whatever discussion, and then I may go into my bathroom and throw up. Like, (laughs) oh, my God, I can't believe we're having this discussion. Or cry or, you know, whatever it is. But in that moment as a parent, you know, I have to rise to the occasion, and I have to reassure you, and I have to provide you with the information that you need um, that's going to guide you so that, you know, whatever your next move is, is appropriate, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever your understanding is of the situation is appropriate. So I think having that, you know, no judgment um, zone is is also something that is really, really important when you're talking about communication. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, especially for the varying age differences and age groups, too, because, you know, I can remember times when 
like as a teenager, for example, you know, 16, 17, 18, where I knew, you know, like I might come to you to talk about something like I can think specifically with relationships. Um, and I'm an emotional person. Like I, I, I'm a crybaby. I cry. That's just how I work. But for me, crying is not some heightened level of like, I'm so distressed that I'm crying. Crying is just like, that's what I do in reaction to a lot of stuff. I can be happy. I can be sad. I can be stressed. I can be mad. I cry. So I can remember times like, you know, as a teenager where I'm crying. And so to someone who's not as emotional or whatever, it seems like, oh my God, you're way too distraught over this. And in my head, I'm like, no, I know it's not the end of the world. But I'm just getting my emotions out. And I, you know, I just want to talk about it. Yeah. But it's not that I think it's over. Whereas, you know, you or any other parent might be like, okay, you're doing like, you're doing a lot. Like, I don't want you to her. be on suicide watch. <laughs> yeah, like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think that that no judgment zone and that ability to understand where they are at certain um ages and what they need you know because right. even now as an adult there are a lot of times where I come to you and I know what I'm going to do at the end or I know that this is just a phase or whatever but I still just want to talk to you about it right. you know so understanding the difference between like okay I need to guide and direct versus I just need to be a listening ear absolutely I was going to say that and sometimes the the most effective part of communication is the listening aspect yes it's not always that you have to come up with an answer or that you have to solve the crisis, you know, the, the you know, pro- provide some kind of a, a solution to the problem or whatever. Sometimes um, your daughter just needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. She needs to say her piece and this is a safe space or should be a safe space where she can express her feelings and express whatever it is that's going on and know that it's going to be a place where she's going to receive some understanding and some compassion. Yes. And so listening, I think, is really, really important. Um, you know, maybe one of the most important parts of the effective communication piece. I agree. Yeah. So we've, we've shared a lot, um, you know, with regard to this. And I think that the, the overarching thing to remember is that communication is key. Mm-hmm. You know, um, communication is key, making sure that you're doing it effectively um, and bearing in mind the person that you're communicating with, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you're um, keeping their personality and demeanor and things um, in place and making it a safe space mm-hmm. where your daughter feels and knows that she can come and speak to you is what's most important. I agree. Awesome. So thanks, y'all, for listening to the conversation. And like always, let us know if you have any questions, if you want to share a story or a concern. Um, we're here. Awesome. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for our next episode and follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.